Las Vegas. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices moreover that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away if you are local. You cannot join in on our discussion today because we have an issue with our phones. And I'd like you to hold on to your com- uh, questions and concerns and prayers and input till next week because we should have it resolved. The main thing is no one got hurt and it can be repaired. So we thank you, Lord, for seeing the need. And who knows? It was time for an upgrade. Amen. Amen. However, you can check us out over the Internet. I like to call it the God Net. And uh, you can go to www.kkvv.com. That is kkvv.com. That would be 1060 AM radio station's website. And we are being streamed live audio and video. And we'd like to say hello. Hello and God bless. You see the man sitting in the chair. That would be uh, Senior Pastor Joseph E. Terry, Jr., uh, my pastor, my mentor, wonderful man of God. And, of course, you know your ever-present sister, Nina. I'm over here in the right, and we did wave, and God bless. In addition to that, we're also being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website, which is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, again, the gospel is always free on our watch. Just select the date that you like to listen to. Uh, Pastor, we have years of... Wonderful radio ministry broadcast up there for them to listen. Again, it's always free. www.savethelostlv.org. Also, if you have a iPhone or um, you like iTunes, guess what? iPad, we're being archived uh, there as well on iTunes. So you got an Apple product, check us out. Again, the gospel is always free on our watch. So, Pastor Terry, how are you, man of God? It's been a minute since you've been in the studio, but you and I talk and fellowship, and I'm mentored by you constantly. How are you, man of God? Well, praise God. I'm great because every day that I wake up, it's a good day. Amen. Regardless of what I'm struggling with. Amen. Amen. And uh, we're more than conquerors in Christ. Hello? Amen. Amen. So, Amen. God before us, who could be against us? Now, I understand you're about to hit the road and uh, definitely like to uh, ask for prayers hey, for absolutely. your upcoming journey. So would you like to share with our listening audience what is on uh, your plate? And it's preordained. It's a divine assignment. It's well, a divine my, appointment. Right. My oldest brother passed away on uh, the 6th. Um, I had told some people that it was the 7th and I was in error. It was actually October the 6th. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm going up to Oakland, amen, to... Bless you. Excuse me. Going up to Oakland to uh, officiate his service and, you know, put in my effort to do all I can to encourage the family, those who are near and far. Well, Pastor, it is the difference between a funeral and a home going. Absolutely. So you're going for a home going. Absolutely. And what would be the difference, sir? Well, we know that people refer to it as funeral and generally when it's not a believer. Believers have something to really celebrate when a loved one passes on because we know that in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1, it tells us that the day of one's death is even better than the day of their birth. And we understand why. If we are grounded and rooted in the word of God, then I would I would believe that the people that are hungry and thirsty for God's word, that their position would be that, you know, what Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you can't be in a better place than being in God's presence. So we're having a celebration of life, aren't we, for Brother Lawrence? Absolutely. I know that there will be those who will be weeping, you know, because they're in mourning. But I'm going to reassure them that there is much to be celebratory about. Amen. Well, we're going to turn those weeping tears into joy. Absolutely. That's what we're going to do. And I'm so uh, excited that you're going and uh, you're taking the nuclear family. And I pray well, for... Uh, not everybody's going, but... Travel mercy for you in the name of Jesus, Lord, Amen. that you get there, that souls are saved, uh, hearts are refreshed, and strengthened, and comfort is given. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, um, while my heart has been heavy over the past week, you know, I, I, I know the reality that we all are going to travel that same road one day. Amen. In Hebrews 9.27, it tells us as it is appointed unto man once to die, then cometh the judgment. I just need to be ready. And those who are listening, I want to encourage them because you need to be ready uh, to take that journey. And you really need to know where you're going to spend eternity. While we go through the various different topics that we discuss, it's really more often than not dealing with what we live with today but i also want people to understand that that's not the only message that we are carrying it's not the only message we're pushing the one that we're really pushing is the one where we know where we're going to spend eternity it doesn't help us at all to be good church members or to be dedicated committed to some denomination and not know that we have eternal life. Amen. Amen. I, I, I'm not putting down anybody's decision or choice to pick and choose whatever religion they want or whatever. But I just want to tell you this, that there's only one that I know that offers eternal life. Amen. And if you want that, then you're going to have to get into the word of God and you're going to have to get involved with Christology and understand that Christ is the only way to get to the Father. At least that's what my Bible tells
tells me. Amen. Well, we'll, Amen. Make, we'll make the case today. Absolutely. Uh, I've been remiss. I didn't give out the cell number where you can listen to KKVV anytime that you like. In addition to that, you can hear the radio broadcast going forth. And that cell number would be one. Five six three nine 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 thirty one ninety four. I say again, that cell number is one five six three nine 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 thirty one ninety four. You can listen right now. I encourage you to lock that number in. Pastor, we're going to be talking about Roman Catholicism versus biblical theology. Now, you have something that you would like to uh, read, and then we're going to go to Scripture and see how. Biblical theology is what we should be adhering to. Amen. 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 First, I have some information from a commentator, and um, there's also commentary on this information. I want to give the people the location so that they can follow up if they want to go. It is much more in-depth than what we'll be able to share here today. Amen. But it's www. Got G O T um, questions questions dot org and uh, forward slash Roman dash Catholicism. So if you want to follow up and you want to get extended version of this commentary, you can go there. And uh, the subject is what is Roman Catholicism. Again, that's www.gotquestions.org. It's prolific. It's wonderful. It's great. Um, I think you should add it to uh, your arsenal in reference to tools that you use to study the Bible. And uh, it's available under Bible resources on the website at Save the Lost at All Cost. Amen? Amen. Okay, Amen. Pastor. So what is Roman Catholicism? And here's an answer. That they give, and I'm quoting this um, commentary here. The Roman Catholic Church portrays itself as the one legitimate heir to New Testament Christianity, and the Pope as the successor to Peter, the first bishop of Rome. While those details are debatable, there is no question that the Roman Church history reaches back to ancient times. The Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the Romans about A.D. 55 and addressed a church body that existed prior to his first visit there, but he made no mention of Peter, though the greeted others, though he greeted others by name. Despite repeal, or despite repeated persecutions by the government, a vibrant Christian community existed in Rome after apostolic times. Those early Roman Christians were just like their brethren in other parts of the world, simply followers of Jesus Christ. Things changed drastically when the Roman Emperor Constantine professed a conversion to Christianity in A.D. 312. He began to make changes that un- ultimately led to the formation of the Roman Catholic Church. He issued the Edict of Milan in in 313, which granted freedom of worship throughout the empire. When doctrinal disputes arose, Constantine 
presided over the first ecumenical church council at Nicaea in A.D. 325, even though he held no official authority in the churches. By the time of Constantine's death, Christianity was the favorite, if not the official religion of the Roman Empire. The term Roman Catholic was defined by Emperor Theodosia on February 27, 380. In the Theodosian Code, in that document, he refers to those who hold to religion which was delivered to the Romans by the divine apostle Peter as Roman Catholic Christians and gives them the official sanction of the empire. The fall of the Roman Empire and the rise of the Catholic Church are really two branches of the same story as the power was transformed or transferred from one entity to the other. From the time of Constantine, A.D. 312, until the fall of the Roman Empire in 476, the emperors of Rome claimed a certain amount of authority within the church, even though it was disputed by many church leaders. During those formative years, there were many disputes over authority, structure, and doctrine. The emperors sought to increase their authority by granting privileges to various bishops, resulting in disputes about uh, primacy within the churches. At the same time, some of the bishops sought to increase their authority and prestige by accusing others of false doctrine and seeking state support of their positions. Many of those disputes resulted in very sinful behavior, which are a disgrace to the name of Christ. Just like today, some of those who live in the leading cities tended to exalt themselves above their contemporaries in the rural areas. The third century saw the rise of an ecclesiastical hierarchy patterned after the Roman government. The bishop of a city was over the presbyters or priests of the local congregations controlling the ministry of the churches, and the bishop of Rome began to establish himself as supreme over all. Though some historians tell these details as the history of the church, there were many church leaders in those days who neither stooped to those levels nor acknowledged any ecclesiastical hierarchy. The vast majority of churches in the first four centuries derived their authority and doctrine from the Bible and traced their lineage directly back to the apostles, not to the church of Rome. In the New Testament, the term elder, pastor, and bishop were used interchangeably for this spiritual um, interchangeably for the spiritual leaders of any church. First Peter chapter five verses one through three is a reference they give, where the Greek root word are translated elders, feed, and oversight. By the time Gregory became pope in A.D. 590, the empire was in sh a shambles, 
and he assumed imperial powers along with the ecclesiastical authority. From that time on, the church and state were fully intertwined as the Holy Roman Empire, with the Pope exercising authority over kings and emperors. What are the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church that distinguish it from other Christian churches? Whole books have been written on this subject, but a sampling of the doctrines will be outlined here. Okay, and that is the end of the introduction to the material um, as I ended the quote. And we do have a list of various practices of Roman Catholicism versus biblical teaching or we'd like to refer to it as biblical, biblical doctrine or theology uh, of biblical theo- theology amen so pastor on the roman side catholicism what is the first one that we see this is probably going to be uh, a part two but we're going to try uh, i think it's about 16 so we'll try to get through the first eight so what is the first one that they have there well, the bishops with the Pope as their head rule the universal church. And what would be the biblical teaching side or doctrine or theology? Christ, the head of the body, rules the universal church. And it tells us to look at... Uh, Colossians 1 and 18. And I think we should start at verse 9 because uh, the subheading would be the preeminence of Christ. That's just uh, something to get us to understand what it is about to read. So I'm going to start in verse 9. I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, and I'll read through the end, which would be verse 18. And I think this will definitely uh, distinguish. Amen. And I'm in the New King James Version, and the Word of God says this, For the reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That was verse 9. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 11. Strengthening with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 16. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. 17. And He is before all things and in Him all things consist 18 and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence so they wanted us to focus on verse 18 and again and he is the head of the body of the church 
who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And who is he that they're speaking of? Well, it's really a reference to God the Son. And, of course, there are individuals that I've met and come in contact with that had issue with me using that phrase, God the Son rather than the Son of God, and generally it's groups that want to lessen or to eliminate the deity or the divinity of the second person of the Godhead. They don't want to recognize or acknowledge him as being equal with God the Father. Amen. They will settle for or they will be satisfied for uh, him to be acknowledged, but as a person less than the first person of the Godhead, mm-hmm. which is incorrect. It's not biblical. When we go back to Genesis chapter 1 and start with verse 1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, the name God there is is Elohim, which is plural. So we know that it's talking about the Godhead, and it's not talking about a single person, although the Godhead is made up of three distinct persons, it's still monotheistic in nature. That means that it's still just one God. Amen. 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 And so people want to take away the authority from Jesus who was born out of Mary, Mm -hmm. but God the Son has always existed. And one of the things that we notice when we come in contact with individuals who say that they are Catholic is that they give more credence, they give more authority, and they give more respect to uh, Mary than they do Jesus who died and rose from the dead so that we could have a right to salvation. They consider her a co-mediator. Well. And she's not a part of the Godhead. And then Peter. I mean, they have. They got statues that represent the apostle Peter. And of course, he was the first pope. And, And so they have. There's more worship going on in reference to Peter and Mary than there is Jesus Christ. When somebody tells me, when I ask them, are you a believer? I'm a Catholic. I cringe. And it's not because I have anything against people who are Catholic. Because the truth of the matter is the term Catholic is really a reference to the universal church. Amen. You know, but when we get into Roman Catholicism, now we're talking about something else. And so the, the next thing that's on the list of the, the practices, right. did you want right. uh, to put something well, in here right quick? Right. Well, when, you know, Peter has two books that are named after him in the New Testament. And you indicated that he was made a pope. Peter didn't make himself a pope. And if he was made a pope, it was after his death. 
But I would just like to. Well, no, they they recognize him as being right. Yeah. But but I'm just saying this is not what Peter said about himself. Amen. So when I go to First Peter and verse one, Peter says here, greetings to the elect pilgrims. Basically, he's he's greeting them. And he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Right. I don't see anything similar ab- to Paul's about about a pope. And I said, OK, right. well, let, let's go to, um, you know, second Peter. And when I look at verse one, you know, first Peter, I mean, let me go to second Peter. Excuse me. I want to go to second Peter, the book of second Peter. And it says uh, again, second Peter, chapter one, verse one. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Right. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's all I'm trying to say, man of God. This is from Peter himself. And I, and I, you know, and I'm in full agreement with you on that. Mm -hmm. But right now, I'm just really putting it out there the way people who are practicing under Roman Catholicism sure. see Peter. Okay. And, you know, regardless of how they arrived at that, well, we know that scripturally it doesn't line up. Okay. Um, the, the second thing I wanted to point out about the practices of uh, the Roman Catholic Church yes, sir. is that God has entrusted revelation to the bishops. Now, we... Well, you're not a bishop, so I can't believe you, Pastor. Well, you, you know, and, and the thing is, is what we need to understand, we see the term bishop over in Second Timothy chapter 3 um, and verse 1. I mean, First Timothy uh, chapter 3 verse 1, we see the term bishop, but the, the word bishop is episkopos in the original language, and it, it just means overseer. But he just talked about that in the commentary, that it was interchangeable. Right. Elder. Right. Bishop. Right. Pastor. Elder is presbyteros, which again is is, is they all, overseer. They they all have the same. It's not any right. elevation right. involved with that. They're interchangeable. But people have taken the term bishop and used it as um, being a higher position, a function uh, within the ecumenical uh, community. Um. Then what it says under biblical theology, God has entrusted revelation to the saints, Jude 3. Now, here's the deal. You know, just because somebody put on a collar, that does not mean that they're ordained of God. Amen. And when somebody tells me I've been called to preach, my question is, who called you? See, if you tell me you called to preach, I want to know who called you. Because if God didn't call you, uh, you haven't been called. If you called yourself or somebody else called you or appointed you. Mm-hmm. And much of this was going on way back when and probably still today. Which is one of the reasons why we have so many difficulties uh, within this sect. Amen. Because we don't really know, none of us can determine whether God has called somebody or not because uh, we don't really have 
um, the mind of God. We're not omniscient like God, knowing everything. We can watch individuals' attitudes and behaviors, and then we can try and draw conclusions on that. But even the Word of God tells us that we aren't supposed to try to separate separate the wheat from the tare. There's a reason for that, or the sheep from the goat. Uh, That's God's job. He knows more, and he knows better than we do. Um, But the next thing on the list that we have here is, the Pope is infallible in his teaching. Well, we know better than that. Right. No man is infallible. No man is without mistakes. Well, going back to Jude. We're all subject to to fail. Matter of fact, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So no man is infallible. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, biblical theological response is God alone is infallible and we have references here numbers 23 19 and Acts 17 11 and, and we'll go to those but going back to Jude Jude warned against false teachers and leaders who reject the lordship of Christ under the faith of others and lead them astray these leaders and any who follow them would be punished that's also when he talked about apostasy Jude also warned against apostasy, turning away from Christ. We are to remember that God punishes rebellion against him. We must be careful not to drift away from a faithful commitment to Christ. So uh, are you going to go to Numbers? No, I was going to read Galatians chapter 1. Because, of course, we know Paul, throughout his letters, warned about false teachers and false doctrine and what he says over here in Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 I marvel that you are turning (laughs) away so soon from him who called you in his uh, in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now I'm reading from the New King James Version. And this is uh, Galatians chapter 1. And I just read verse uh, 6 and 7. Verses Amen. 6 and 7. And I wanted to go back to Colossians. When you started reading in, in verse 10. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it says here. For it pleased the Father that. Wait a minute. No that's not verse 10. Verse, verse 10 reads, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Now, this is Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, this right here is important, because the only way that we are ever going to be able to walk worthy is that we have to be following the example that Christ established for us and we have to follow his teachings and he was, and he was infallible that's what you said absolutely and 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 we got to follow his teachings when over in in John 8 and 
31 and 32, it says, and those Jews who believe, he said, uh, if you continue in my word, you are my yes. disciples Amen. indeed. You Amen. shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, make you free. But the, the thing that I'm pointing out is that he made it clear to them that they had to continue in his teaching. That's what it was really about, following his teaching, not just following him around, because many were just following him around to see what the next miracle was he was going to do and seeing if they could capitalize on it. But he was making a specific statement about them following his teaching. And following his teaching is not the same as following what the Pope is telling you to do. Well, Numbers uh, 2319, I think it's really hitting home here. And again, I'm in the New King James Version. Number 2319 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? I don't think any man living or dead is capable of, of, of saying that. Right. They could not say that. And then when we go to Acts chapter 17, verse 11, because he wants to bring it home again. And when we look at that, the word of God says this again, Acts 17, verse 11. These were more fair minded than those in Thessaloniki in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So, Amen. Amen. It's important that we do this. It's required. You know, something I I brought to the attention of uh, Bible study attendees on last Wednesday. You know, that too many of our churches are caught up in tradition. Oh, that's the next one we're going to get to. And Keep going, Pastor. And when tradition transcends or supersedes scripture, we have, we have a problem. We have an absolute problem on our hands. And that is what a lot of people are living by. They're not continuing in the word that Christ taught. And that was what he said. You know, people talk about the truth will set you free. Well, that's not accurate. Mm-mm. We hear the truth all the time. But he said, knowing, knowing the truth. That's what sets you free. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free or make you free. It's knowing And a lot of people don't know that they don't know the truth. They really think that they got it right. And they're not searching the scripture. And they're not living by the word. They're living by some kind of tradition. And that's causing all kind of problems. Especially, I don't even want to get into relativism. (laughs) Amen. Well, what does the fourth one say down there? You just spoke about it, but what does it say? Mary, oh, wait a minute. No, scripture and tradition together are the word of God. Now, this is 
Like I said, it's exactly what you were saying. This is what is under the practices of uh, Roman Catholicism. So scripture and tradition together are the word of God. And, and that's not true. No, because tradition is not inspired. No. If it's not God-breathed, then it, it can't be the word of God. It has to be God-breathed. Well, when we look at Second uh, Peter chapter 3, and we go to verse 16, the word of God says this, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also to the rest of the scriptures. Yeah, those people who are eisegeting. And reading into it what so, they wanted so to mean. So they're not exegeting. Right. So that is what God wants us to get out of it. Yeah. Eisegeting is more opinionated. Has to do with what they believe. Yeah. As opposed to what God has instructed us. For the listening audience, eisegeting is reading into something what you want it to mean. Um, what well, It has nothing to do with the truth. It's what your truth is, which... Relativism is one of those uh, elements where it's about what you want to believe. You know, if it sounds good, if it looks good, if it feels good, then it must be good, you know, which is nonsense. So we know Scripture alone is the Word of God, not tradition and Scripture. So let's go to um, John. And I'm going to go to chapter 10. I'm going to start about verse 33, and then I'll go down to 35. And verse 33, again, John 10, verse 33, the word of God says this. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. 34, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's? 35, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken. Then I'm going down to 36. Do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God. 37, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. 38, but if I do Though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. 39. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. Well, again, here are. And that was Jesus speaking. Yeah. Here, here, here are people elevating themselves to a position where people really are worshiping them. Mm -hmm. They're not worshiping the Christ. They're not. And in this case, we'd say God, because I believe John's argument when he opens up and says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In in the gospel according to St. John chapter 1, verse 1, and in verse 14 he says, 
and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father for the grace and truth. I believe John's argument that Jesus is God and not just John, but Paul also over in Colossians chapter one earlier, you read it. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he, he argument, he, his argument there in that, uh, specific chapter is that Jesus is not, he's everything. He holds everything together. Amen. He's the creator of everything. You know, um, when we look at the Godhead, each person of the Godhead functions differently. God the Father, which would be a theology proper, he, he gives the order. God the Son, he carries it out. God the Holy Spirit represents both God the Father and God the Son, and he uh, brings things into order. He keeps order. So the deal is, and, and he is the agent of regeneration. Nobody can come to Christ if the Holy Spirit does not wake up their dead spirit to begin with. And we, if we go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, and this is King James, quote, You have he quickened, which means made alive, who was dead in your trespasses and sins. So that that's the Holy Spirit's work. But he kind of starts the ball rolling, and then the ultimate thing is that we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ by way of receiving him, receiving Christ. So the the deal is, is that we have to, everything needs to be according to scripture. It, it needs to be according to the word. And that's where we're running into problems because we have individuals that's teaching other things. I mean, you know, you, you have these other groups out here. You you know, you got the Watchtower. Uh, and, and, you know, so that would be the Jehovah Witness. Uh, right. And then you've got the Book of Mormon. Uh, the, that stuff is not inspired. It, it, it's not God breathed. Theonustas. It's not, it's not God breathed. It's not God breathed. You can't say this is the Bible. Well, we have other individuals who absolutely want to elevate themselves to where they, uh, are trying to sell the idea that they're on the same level as Jesus. Well, that wasn't that what Caesar was doing? Absolutely. But we know that is not just blasphemy. Amen. But um, to me, that's really a, a attitude or mindset, a mentality of Antichrist. That's what all demagogues believe, that they're God. And it's their way or death. And they will pervert the scriptures to try to fit into their ideology. Now, when we get to uh, Mark chapter 7, speaking what we talked about tradition, uh, in the first 13 verses, uh, Jesus speaks to that. So I'm in Mark chapter 7, and I'm going to read the first 13 verses. And the word of God says this. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Verse 2. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. 4. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. 
5, the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? 6, he answered and said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of your, of you hypocrites, as it is written, the people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 7. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 8. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. 9. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. 10. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. 11. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is korban. That is a gift to God. 12. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. 13. Making the word of God of no effect. Through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. That's an indictment, sir. Amen. Amen. And a powerful one at that. Traditions, as you say, do not trump the word of God. The word of God is the word of God. And Jesus is the word. Amen. Yeah, the day that we start to live by tradition... We are off the beaten path, what God has laid for us to follow the word, follow Christ's example, and to live holy. It just doesn't happen because tradition is something that's not really, it's not, there's biblical tradition, but when we take it upon ourselves to create certain traditions then we can't say that that's of God because we're going to do things to satisfy self and I know God never intended for us to do that even when we are distributed special abilities which is called spiritual gifts it's not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of those who we would serve or minister to. Well, then we don't need to be circumcised by the Spirit. Then we can uh, rely on, as the uh, Jews were upset with the Gentiles and saying they needed to be circumcised and they needed to follow these type of traditions. Well, yeah, but they were talking about physical circumcision. Right. No, we yeah we we absolutely need the circumcision of the spirit. That's what I mean. You know, um, if, if we look at Romans chapter two, I think that those, chapter explains those it. are who the real Jews are. Right, right. Not the ones caught up in these traditions and these physical things that they do, rituals. But but there's a difference though, also in you know uh, Judaism and then Roman Catholicism. Amen. So. Here is the one that I mentioned earlier as well when we move on to the next um, topic here um, under Roman Catholicism or practice. Mary is the co-redeemer. 
for she participated with Christ in the painful act of redemption. I don't recall seeing Mary on the, either one of those crosses next to Jesus. So I don't know where they get this idea from. Well, when Jesus is in the garden praying, he asked the Father to take the cup from him. If there was any other way, but if not, let it be your will. Because he knew what was coming. So Mary was not there. So what Well, it wasn't the suffering and the agony and the pain that he that he went through um when it came down to the cross, but the idea that he had to be separated Separated. from the Father was the most um in in his mindset would have been the most hideous thing that could happen Mm -hmm. is that he'd have to be separated from the father right but this is really uh, you know for anybody to arrive at an idea that mary is a co-mediator now biblical theology teaches that christ alone is the Redeemer, for he alone suffered and died for sin, which is accurate because he was the only one on the cross on our behalf. He was the only one that could say it's finished. Right. Because he was the only one that did the work. And a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand when he said it is finished what what that means. They think he's talking about the agony and the pain and the suffering. No. Well, why don't you explain it to him, sir? Well, you know, there was never... A time where the high priest in the Old Testament, during the Old Testament sacrificial system, they go into the holiest place and they uh, do the sacrifice. And, you know, then they'd have to do it over and over again. It was never going to be an end to it. Right. It, it never was sufficient. You know, that's the reason why people have a problem with uh, the doctrine of Calvin, the doctrine of election. And, and a lot of them have a problem with the uh third point which is limited atonement they say well that's not right because it sounds like it's limiting the power of of the blood of christ no it's not what it is is that jesus died for everybody amen but everybody is not going to receive him if everybody was going to receive him lucifer wouldn't uh have taken those group angels with him that became demons Hell wouldn't exist if somebody wasn't going there. Amen. Amen. The deal is, is that while Jesus' blood is sufficient for everybody, it's only efficient for those who will receive him. And this whole thing about we're all children of God, well, over in John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says to... uh, well, let's start in verse 11 where he says he came into his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the privilege. We know the King James uses the term power, which is the word exousia. It means authority. To become sons or to become children. Well, if you have to become, do you not already yet? While everybody is God's creation, not everybody is God's child. Amen. I receive Only that. those who receive Christ. Amen are really his children. So when we look over about Mary is the co-redeemer for she participated with Christ in the painful act of redemption, that would be Roman Catholicism. The um, opposite would be 
biblical doctrine, teaching, or theology, Christ alone is the Redeemer, for he alone suffered and died for sin. And we can find that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. So I'm in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to start at verse uh, 17 and go down to verse 20. And the Word of God says this. Again, I'm in the New King James Version. 17, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 20, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Verse 21, who through him believed in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. It says nothing about Mary, sir. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor, I think we have time for one more. One more. We're coming down to the end. And what is the next one that it says? The next one is Mary is the co-mediator to whom we can entrust all our cares and petition. So that means be like praying to Mary. Would that be an example of that, sir? That that would be, I think, uh, the suggestion. All right. So calling on Mary. And so you wouldn't need to call on Jesus if Mary has equal power and authority. Would that be? You know, this really, it, it, it becomes, uh, it's nonsense. But. Well, we need to show them that as We don't have time to really to get into this one, but we can pick up here and uh, because we can't do it any justice okay. in Amen. the amount of time we have. But we'll pick up here on next Sunday. All right. So uh, we have a part two, and it will be Roman Catholicism, Catholicism, excuse me. Catholicism. Catholicism versus uh, biblical theology. And we are talking about doctrine and teaching uh, of the Bible. And we hope that you join us for part two. We love you and God bless. Save the lost at all costs. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit-filled, live-called-in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about 
our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.